Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, welcome to our Wednesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today, Mary Kay, Scott, and I will talk about the Browns standing pat at the trade deadline. And then Terry Pluto will join in the second half to talk about the Browns first half and Baker's first half. But first, I got to tell you about Football Insider. It's our subscription service. And what you get is access to those exclusive articles on cleveland.com slash browns. You also get a daily newsletter with exclusive content that no one else sees. You just get it in your inbox, and it goes only to our Football Insider subscribers. And that's written by our Browns team. Uh, And you get uh, an email every day, a newsletter every day with that. And, of course, there's also our text subscription service that you can sign up for as well. And you'll get texts from me, Scott, Mary Kay, and Ellis. We have opportunities to be on our post-game show to pick NFL games uh, with me, Mary Kay, Ellis, and Doug. And a lot of cool opportunities for our text subscribers as well. So check all that out. Go to cleveland.com slash browns. There's a big blue banner right at the top of the page. You can get all your information and get signed up. All right, let's talk some trade deadline. And then Terry Pluto on today's podcast. everybody, welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great today, Dan. How you doing? Doing well. I'm Scott Patsko joining us. Scott, how are you? I'm doing good. Ready to go. All right. It is 5.04 as we're recording this. So the trade deadline passed about an hour ago here. The Browns did not make a move. I don't think there's a real big surprise there that they didn't do anything. I think most of us believed if they were going to do something, it would be small. So I guess the, the big thing is, one, they didn't do anything to bring anyone in, and two, David Njoku is still on the roster. Uh, so let's just get reactions to that, Mary Kay. What, what do you think of the Browns standing pat at the deadline? Well, I, I think it means that they don't think that they're one player away from, say, going to the Super Bowl this year. I think that uh, they like those picks that they have with the two extras. They have nine picks for 2021. I think they have big plans uh, for those picks and how they want to use them. And they didn't want to give any of them up for this season, which is a year in which I think they believe they can make the playoffs, but they're not planning to, to go deep into the playoffs. So I'm not super surprised about this. Also not surprised that they didn't trade David Njoku. Uh, you know, I just, they didn't want to give him up for less value than what they believe he brings to the team. He's currently 20th uh, in the NFL among tight ends, according to pro football focus. Yeah. I didn't expect anything big today from the Browns because I mean, look, they made their moves during camp when Mac Wilson originally got hurt. And when Grant Delpit got hurt, you know, they went out and they got Malcolm Smith and 
and Ronnie Harrison. And if they were looking to make a splash of some kind, or if they felt they needed huge impact players, those positions, they probably would have done it then. And then, you know, I, I, I did, didn't see them waiting until deadline trade deadline day to, to try and add anything to either of those two positions, which I think are the two positions you'd, you know, you'd focus on here. Um, and as far as Njoku, I mean, at this point, why trade him? <laughs> Let's, you know, just, just hold on to him. You just you know, Austin Hooper just had an appendectomy. So I think uh, it just made a lot of sense to just keep the status quo. And um, it's clear that they're fine with the receivers they have. I mean, Sunday's game against the Raiders wasn't, I don't think, a good uh, representation of what they're going to get out of the receivers going forward. Just a weird day with all the weather issues and, and all that going on. So I'm, I mean, nothing happened and, and I'm not surprised. Yeah. And, you know, I guess the way I look at it, and, and this is something we've talked about on the pod is a big part of this is you got to know who you are. And this, this just kind of tells me, like you said, Mary Kay, the Browns sort of know who they are. They're a team that can use this schedule in the second half, uh, getting guys healthy and probably get to nine or 10 wins. And then you kind of see where you are at nine and 10. If that's good enough to get you into the playoffs, great. Go play your playoff game in Baltimore or Kansas city or wherever you're going to end up playing. And, you know, you'll, you'll probably lose that game, but at least getting to the playoffs is, is a step forward. But even if they go 10 and six and bad luck, miss the playoffs. I know Doug Lay Maurice will yell at me for this. I think you still made progress this season. And then you attack next off season, you attack all those holes in the defense. You've got money, you've got picks, your offense is fairly settled. I still think they're in a really good position. Now, if we're sitting here this time next year and they kind of sat on their hands when there were maybe some guys out there to be had, that's a different story, but that's just not where this team is at right now. Yeah, and I think that what they want to do is find out who shakes out in the offseason that you can get without having to give up a draft pick. I mean, and there are going to be those players uh, that you might not have to do that for. Uh, there are going to be free agents that, that come available that you can sign. Uh, and they will get some compensatory picks too, depending on what happens with some of the, um, some of the guys that they have signed or let go. So, uh, you know, I just think that it was, you know, an opportunity to remain patient, see how they can get through the rest of this year. And then I think there are a few other uh, things at play here. Ronnie Harrison uh, is just kind of working his way into the lineup. And I think they feel he will get better and better and solidify the safety position a little bit. Uh, so I think that's one thing. I think they're hoping to get Jacob Phillips back at linebacker. And they'll, so that'll help bolster that position a little bit. I think they hope that Mac Wilson uh, comes back stronger from his hyperextended knee. So I, I just think that, you know, they looked at it and thought what we have here in the second half is probably going to be better than what we had in the first half. And then also when you talk about like a receiver, you the guy would have to know your terminology know your system and have some kind of chemistry with Baker Mayfield to do better than Richard Cadero and company. Yeah. If anything was going to happen today, I thought it was like a, a back end of the roster kind of move uh, to add depth or other um, possibilities on, you know, whether it was even practice squad or something, just, it was that kind of thing. And I think as far as uh, getting to the end of the year here, if they get into the next season and they have the same head coach and the same GM, which is what we're, I think we're all expecting to happen, then whether they make the playoffs or not, they're still in a great position because you have continuity. Then you have, you know, the offensive system going from one year to the next and, and nothing changing with that. And you have room to make, you know, 
a lot of room to, to make changes on defense, but just the whole continuity aspect of it. If they get to, to next year with that, they're, whether or not they make the playoffs, they're in a good position. I feel like we talked about it this past offseason, right? The way they kind of built this offense, everything felt really obvious. You know, they went and got a tight end. They went and got a right tackle. They drafted a left tackle. They did a lot of things we expected. And, you know, I hate to say this a few months out, but doesn't it just feel really obvious that this offseason and they kind of left it for this offseason, they're going to attack that defense. You know, you know that you need to get Miles Garrett some help. You know, you know you're going to get Grant Delpit back, and maybe you found something in Ronnie Harrison. I really like what I've seen out of him so far. Uh, so now you attack that linebacker position a little. I mean, the, the, the only unfortunate thing is they just might not know anything about Greedy Williams. So they might just have to go into next season saying, hey, you know, maybe we still like Greedy, but we also got to shore up that position still, and he's going to have to fight for a spot. But really, it, it just feels like this is set up for them now, especially with all the stability on offense. The questions on the offensive side are about extensions and what you do at receiver. But other than that, you're okay. You can really focus on that defensive side of the ball. This is – Look, a two-year build, if you win nine or ten games in that first year, that's not such a bad thing. Well, theoretically, they're set on offense. And you're right. That right, was theoretically. Theoretically, because the only reason, the only X factor is, do you have your quarterback, right? I mean, they that's thought they one. had everything else. I mean, this was, this was it. They were set. And I really believe uh, that they wanted to move forward with Odell and Jarvis for the next several years. And just, you know, have those guys be part of what they hoped was a, you know, a playoff contending offense. Uh, but now they actually are still in evaluation mode with the quarterback. And they don't want to have to deal with that in the offseason. They do not want to go out and have to find a quarterback in the offseason. So they're hoping uh, that he comes through. And then real quick, when you look at the defense, it's not like they didn't do a ton on defense because they did they did sign Andrew Billings. Remember, we kind of forget about him mm -hmm. because he opted out. But they did that. They signed Adrian Claiborne. They drafted Grant Delpit very high. So even though it seems like they didn't do anything on defense, they did do some things. Andrew made some big splashy moves on defense, but they just didn't really work out the way that they thought they would for this season. So now they have to go back at it in the offseason. I don't think you're going into this second half of the season needing a lot more information about what you have at safety with uh, Carl Joseph and Sandejo. Harrison, as you mentioned, has been a nice uh, uh, pickup, but you know what you got. And I think you're really clear on what B.J. Goodson is at this point. And I think you're probably really clear on what Mac Wilson is and isn't at this point, which is important because those are things you don't want to have to wonder about. You know, they're going to go into this offseason. They know – it's unfortunate that you didn't see, could see Grant Delpit. And it's really unfortunate you didn't get to see Jacob Phillips much at all to this point. But these guys, you, you really, I think, over the, going into the last eight games, you have a clear understanding of what guys can't do on this defense. And I think that's going to allow them to really be focused on, on how, they, how they add to it this offseason. Right. And, and to the Baker point, I think at the very least, you're hoping that you look at Baker at the end of this year and say, okay, we can win with Baker. Now, whether you know, whether you know for sure he's your quarterback for the next 10 years, now obviously there's decisions that are tied to that that they have to make this offseason. But if you can at least say, all right, we can win football games with Baker, you can at least feel good about going into next year. Um, 
And then, and then really on the defensive side, the nice thing is I think you've established that you have at least two corner pieces with Miles and, and Denzel Ward. You, you feel really good about those two pieces to kind of build around those guys. Okay, let's talk about the second half of the season because this is a team in the playoff chase. They're, they're playing meaningful games, even if some of them aren't going to be uh, against very good opponents, but that's part of the reason they're in this thing. So you assume... Uh, you know, you hate to assume anything, but they've got winnable football games, uh, Houston, Philadelphia, Jacksonville, both the New York teams. Uh, and then, of course, they have rematches with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. They have Tennessee, which I don't know. Tennessee's not very good defensively, but we know what they can do offensively. If the Browns end up losing, let's say, two of these games, and we're not talking about Baltimore and Pittsburgh if they end up losing two of these games that they should not have lost and it keeps them out of the playoffs, since we kind of know what this roster is going to look like, why do you think that happens? What are we going to look back on and say, this is the reason they lost to Philadelphia, or this is the reason they lost to the New York giants or whoever. I I would say that it will be because they weren't able to go with the winning formula that, that got them here to this point, And that is getting those takeaways. They have to get takeaways. This is a, this is a defense that they need uh, to cover up some of their ills by getting that ball back for their offense. And it is an offense uh, that needs those takeaways to start in really good field position or traditionally that's what has been the case. Uh, So I would say that, um, you know, that the takeaway gravy train, if that runs out a little bit, uh, then it, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to beat some of those teams if you're losing the turnover battle. The way the, way the Browns win games is they have to score 25 to 30 points and get turnovers on defense. And it's unfortunate that that's like your main game plan on defense at this point. But, but that's what it is. You know, they, they really struggle to stop people passing and they showed some real issues against the Raiders in the run game. Luckily they're facing mostly teams that aren't that great running the ball down the stretch here. You do have the Ravens, the Titans, and of course the Steelers did pretty well, but the other teams, I mean, Texans are 32nd in rushing yards per game. So that's in their favor, but it really comes down to what they can do on offense. This team needs to score a lot of points in order to win. It's been the formula so far. And I think the only thing that keeps them from getting to, to 10 wins is injuries on offense. If Wyatt Teller doesn't come back, if Nick Chubb doesn't come back, if, if, if Jarvis Landry can't make it through what the things that he's going through and, and be the consistent number one guy as a receiver, um, you know, that's then this team's in trouble because they have to score a lot of points and getting Teller and getting their run game back on track is at the top of the list. Yeah, and just looking at these past defenses coming up uh, here in the near future, Jacksonville 32nd in DVOA against the pass, the Jets 31st, the Giants are 28th. They just played Las Vegas, who's 27th. But like you said, Scott, you, we can't tell anything about the passing game off of that. Uh, and Houston 23rd. So uh, I think Philadelphia is the best of the bunch when you take Pittsburgh out of the equation and uh, Baltimore, they're at 14th in uh, pass defense DVOA. So they should be able to throw the ball. I guess, you know, I'm concerned about the defense, but I do want to see what impact not having Odell Beckham will have, not necessarily just on the pass game. I want to see the impact it'll have on the run game because it is going to be a little easier for some defenses to maybe sneak a safety up. Maybe, you know, you don't have to have somebody go help against Rashard Higgins or uh, Kadero Hodge. 
And I'm just curious. The Browns are going to have to figure out a way to loosen that up a little bit. And, you know, they're built around the run. They're built around Nick Chubb breaking off big runs. And, and I'm just curious. I think Nick Chubb will be able to run the football effectively. I don't think it's going to be an issue. I just want to see how it changes, how defenses play this team. And it might not matter. These defenses just might not be good enough. Uh, but I do want to see the impact Odell Beckham had on the run game. Well, I, I think it will have a profound impact. And I think, uh, as, as you mentioned, there are a lot of bad defenses coming up. Uh, so, you know, I think they'll probably be okay. Most of the defenses they are have, have yet to face are ranked in the 20s. Uh, almost all of them are. So I, I think they should be able to, to make some yards. But I, I think the other thing to be uh, to concerned about and to watch is how Baker Mayfield plays, you know? I mean, I just, it's, it was a concern in the early part of the season and uh, you know, he still has a lot to show. You know, maybe he, maybe you can win with him and go forward with him for next year. I think that's still a question mark because if you're not sure about that, I'm not a hundred percent certain that they go ahead and pick up the fifth year option. I mean, at this point they probably will uh, but if they decide that they don't want to do that, then I don't think that you're necessarily moving forward with him next year. So, um, so I think that's a, a big thing to watch. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, you, when you don't have Odell, it, it kind of puts some stress and strain on your run game. And also Nick Chubb having a sprained knee is going to put some stress and strain on your run game. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot to, to be looking at here. Here's a bold prediction for the, for the second half of the season. Love it. Errol Hodge is going to throw a pass. They didn't lose that ability when they lost Odell Beckham. Hodge went to college as a quarterback. Uh, he, he was at Alcorn State uh, as, a, as a quarterback and left there, decided he was going to uh, go to community college and, or junior college and, uh, and switch to wide receiver. But he has the ability to throw the ball, and I think it's going to happen. They got to show that with somebody other than Jarvis Landry, uh, you know, because every time Jarvis Landry takes a handoff, people are going to uh, kind of be watching for him to throw it. And then Kadero Hodge has that ability. I think it's going to happen. Okay. He's a lefty too. That's he's, he's a lefty. And uh, I, he was, uh, he was Lamar Jackson last year for the Browns leading up to that first game. And one of the things he told me was, uh, he watches these games on Sundays and he thinks he watches some of these quarterbacks. He's like, I could still do that. Come on. <laughs> so yeah, Scott, you might be onto something there. Uh, we might see a little, uh, they, they like, they're used to Jarvis throwing lefty. So maybe that's, uh, maybe that's the direction they like to do things. So Kadero's all set up to do that. Yeah. And, you know, they need these guys also to, uh, you know, to keep running the reverses and do the things that, that Odell was doing. Uh, you know, to, to kind of keep these defenses loosened up. They're going to have to continue to be creative in that way. All right. So the Browns quiet at the trade deadline. We're going to hear from Andrew Barry uh, later today, which will be interesting. He probably will not tell us much of anything in that wonderful Andrew Barry way. And he'll use a lot of words that we have to Google and look up, but uh, <laughs> we will get to hear from Andrew Barry today. And then the Browns get a few days off. They are practicing on Wednesday, but then they get to take the, uh, the weekend off. So uh, we've got Terry Pluto coming up on the other side of the break, uh, but that'll do it for this half of the podcast. Scott, real quick, I know it went up already, but what was your topic on Gotta Watch the Tape? Uh, we dove into why the Raiders were able to run on the Browns uh, and kind of what that might mean going forward. And then Ellis looked at, we just really kind of dissected Baker at this point 
and try to get an idea of what we should expect from him uh, over the last eight games. All right, so get subscribed on that feed and, and scroll back. It went up on Tuesday, so you should be able to find that right there near the top of your feed if you aren't subscribed already. Uh, all right, Terry's coming up on the other side. Thanks, guys. And now we welcome on Terry Pluto. Terry, how are you? I'm well, Dan. Okay, well, the Browns are at the halfway point of the season. They are 5-3. and three. I, I mean, I guess let's start with the big picture here. Um, obviously, the Raiders game kind of ended the first half with a thud. But overall, this team's in a, in a pretty good spot, about as good as you could have expected, I would think. Better for me. I mean, I picked them to be 8-8, eight and eight, and I thought they would get there by playing better in the second half of the season than they did in the first. So the fact that they're 5-3, and three, um, if you look, you know, the schedule game's always a little dangerous to play, but, I mean, why would anybody pick them in the first half of the year to win at Baltimore and Pittsburgh? Right. You just wouldn't. Then you figure you're going to lose a game or two in there to somebody else. I thought it would, might be at Dallas. Um, and I knew the Raiders had a chance to be better. I mean, who knows? So you go around um, – and say, all right, there's maybe a game or two they should have lost that they won, and, and you could argue they should have played better and, and beaten the Raiders. But five and three is terrific, I think, in my mind. New coaching staff and all the thing, uh, the obstacles they faced early. And, you know, look, everybody loves to kind of nitpick wins. You know, well, they beat the right. Bengals, they beat this team or that team. But the reality is, too, if you look at the losses, it is the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Raiders, I think, are better than people expected. You know, you mentioned Dallas was maybe the team that you thought they would lose. So I think we right. all thought Dallas would be better this year. I don't know if we all thought the Raiders would be the team they are. So they, they don't really have bad losses on, on the resume. And if, you, and if you turn around, I think the Bengals are going to be maybe the team that I kind of thought the Browns would be, which would be better in the second half of the year than the first because they're starting to get better. And the Colts. What aren't they five and two or what are the Colts right now? They're something I, like that. You know, they won on Sunday. I got to double, I'll double check their record yeah. here, but I think you're right. I, I mean, they're, they've played well. And so the, and the Browns did beat them. So yeah, let's, the, uh, the Colts are five and two. They're tied with the Titans. Exactly. So they're five and two and, and the Bengals just beat the Titans. So my point being that first of all, it's the, you know, the old thing, it is the NFL. This is not, you know, college where uh, Middle Tennessee plays Ohio State. You know, you don't get that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, unless you're like the Browns, they were for a couple of years there where they just wanted to lose every single game uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, the other, Otherwise, you better watch it. You know, the, a bad team still wins three times. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, that's... I mean, I'm just putting it in perspective. So we roll to five and three. And then you look at this, Dan, and say all right, um, we'll, we'll look at something I am. How's Baker doing? How's Baker doing? And Dan, were you the guy that sent me the email? The first email I saw from a fan right after they lost to Oakland was time for Browns to tank, lose all the rest of the games, draft another quarterback. Was that you? <laughs> well, Terry, you, you caught me. Uh, that is my email that I created just to send you things like that. I mean, I have bad news for that emailer. The Browns have already won five games, so if they right. want to tank for a quarterback, it's too late. There's You're not going to get teams. the kid from Clemson. You're not going to get Ohio State's <laughs> kid. You're not going to get these kids. So that's number one. Number two, I was looking at – I don't have a notebook. This is scribbles on my notepad. <laughs> just holding up for you with the yellow pad, yellow legal pad. I mean, right now, after eight games, 
if you were to project it out, Baker's final year, final stats, 30 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 62% completions. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's I mean, not- just, that's a winning quarterback. I didn't say not a Super Bowl quarterback or whatever, but when you have twice as many touchdown passes as interceptions, and it's not like four to two, and then you also have where you completed 62% of your passes, um, you know, quarterback ratings, you go round and around. The one that it's a little, the regular quarterback rating is hard to understand, and ESPNs is even more difficult. But I think they got them rated like 14th, and they're kind of middle of the pack, you know, a little bit above. And remember my theory on Baker is that this is like taking over a distressed business or distressed property. You know, last year, by the way, at this point last year, after eight games, how about this? Seven touchdowns, 12 interceptions, (laughs) yeah, 58%. He had a rally to finish with 22 touchdowns, 21 interceptions, you know, the most second most interceptions uh, in the NFL last year. So, can we at least say, and I'll ask you, is he better than a year ago? It seems like it. It certainly seems not just statistically, but when you watch him, he seems better than last year. The numbers say he's better, and the eye test says he's better. I mean, especially the last two games. I know his numbers weren't great against Oakland, or Oakland, Las Vegas. Yeah, I've been doing that. But – I didn't think he was the problem. I mean, there were drops in there. I thought he managed the pocket pretty well. Mm-hmm. The Raiders just controlled the football for a lot of that game. Um, well, if you look at that, I think um, I forgot. Well, there were five drops, five in that game. And if you want to add in another thing, the equivalent of the drop was when Harrison Bryant got the ball and they're driving and he fumbles it. Right. So basically there were six balls that should have been caught to become positive yardage and i forgot he only threw it like 25 times or whatever it was yeah what what was he passing can you check that down while we're talking yeah i I believe it was 25 i'll pull up the game book yeah uh because that's one i got all this scrawl on my thing here and that's not yeah 12 of 25 i just found it so out of the 20 so he had 13 incompletions but six of them were not on him well, here's here's something else. Now you remember the time of possession from Sunday. It was thirty-seven right. to twenty-three. Right. But as I'm working through rewatching the game here, so I can I, can, I do a rewatch post every week, and I'm, I'm working through that now. The Browns actually had the ball for nine minutes in the first quarter. They were really they were really kind of in control of that game after they right. they held the Raiders to a field goal attempt on their first drive. Right. The next time they forced a three and out, the Browns were moving the football, but you had the Bryant fumble. You know, Jarvis had a, drop a bigger on deal than we thought at the time, at least I did, because the possessions became so few after that. Right. And then the Raiders kind of, the next time they got the ball, they just sort of decided they're going to control it from there. Right. Now, I will. Well, again, argue, I thought Baker played okay on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, look, Derek, did Derek Carr play better? Yes, he did. Um, also, Derek Carr's been in the league long. And secondly, I think that was a game where John Gruden clearly had a better game plan, I think, set up than Stefanski did. And it's probably the difference between a guy who's called a lot of plays for a long time in a lot of different weather, as opposed to, I believe, before this season, 
Stefanski's only called plays in 19 games. It was three games at the end of the 18 season for the, the Vikings and then 16 last year. So that's it. Right. Now he'd been around, but he only 19 games of play calling. By the way, I was looking, how about this? Uh, do you see Kirk Cousins already has 10 interceptions? He was, he was turning the ball over a lot this year. Yeah, where he didn't do that in Stefanski's system. I don't know if they've changed things around there or a lot, but I, um, I found that, that intriguing. So here's my point on Baker. If the numbers were, you know, if he was like 11 interceptions and 12 touchdowns and 57% of the passes, then I say, no, there's no progress being made. But he's showing that, you know, they could win some games with this guy. And the second eight games in my mind for the Browns and Baker is really where you begin to get more of a feel for what they have here. And, you know, we're, cause we're Browns followers. We're so sick of hearing about patience and all this stuff, but here's the thing about the P word patience. It really matters. Mm-hmm. Think of where miles Garrett was a year ago compared to now. He was pretty good. Right. But he wasn't the dumb. He was st- actually this, and I'm talking after the first eight games of a year ago, he actually started to kick it really in the second eight games and then he got suspended. Um, and then this year you see what he's doing because the, you know, somebody keeps saying the NFL is hard. (laughs) And a lot of times the way you learn, you learn through pain, you learn through mistakes and you learn through doing. And that's why I think why, why, why Baker will be better next year, frankly, than this year. And it's why miles who was drafted a year earlier than Baker is better this year than he was a year ago. Yeah, I think the Baker conversation is always going to be complicated. Yeah. Because on the one hand, we want to make it an either or, right? Right. Is, is, is he the guy or is he not? The yeah, guy? I'm sorry, I don't so know if we're going to get that answer this year. Uh, okay, he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Patrick Mahomes. Right. You know, um, is he Carson Wentz, by the way? Have you looked at Carson Wentz's numbers the last year? He's not years? playing well at all this year. He's a No, and he's struggled the last few years. Yeah. How about Sam Darnold? He's falling off a cliff. He, he might get replaced. Yeah. I mean, this league chews up quarterbacks. So, you know, if the standard is the top five to eight guys in the league, no, he's not that guy. But try to get that guy. Because the teams that have him, they sign him for 5,000 years for $8 zillion. <laughs> well, I mean, let, you know, I think Kansas City is a really great example of this. You know, Alex Smith, they had him forever, yeah. right? They trade for him. Mm-hmm. They bring him in. Dorsey brings him in. And he's good enough to win games with. And, they, you know, they stick with him. They, they keep running it back. And then finally they find, you know, they get an opportunity to get the guy, right? Like one of those guys. Now that, that say, doesn't happen. They didn't know he was that good. They liked him. Right. Uh, Mahomes, right. But they didn't know he was that good. And but, you know, you're they, they putting him off the by the way with a veteran. No, stay with me for a second, Dan. Now I want you to elaborate on this because you, you really looked at it. Then think of where they put him. He goes to a winning team with an established coach with an offense in place. It just needed to be uh, some modifications made to make it work for him. He didn't go to a first-year coach. He didn't go to now this is his third time around on a whole new offense. You know, he – 
um, you know, what he was able to do is it was set up perfectly for him to succeed. And there isn't a NFL person or any person of sound mind would say that the Cleveland Browns have been set up for any quarterback to succeed. That's fair. (laughs) I mean, I guess think about where we were with Baker in December. Yeah. Right. There were there's ser- there serious questions about him. And now here we are at a point where you're saying, okay, this guy is probably a guy you can win some games with. Now, I again I don't know if he's ever going to be that guy that makes you an instant Super Bowl contender every single year. But if you can come out of this year feeling like we can win with Baker Mayfield at quarterback, then you can move forward from there and, and you can actually really build something from there. And these guys go up and down. I mean, Jared Goff right now is having a rough time. Yeah, you know he's a he's a guy that I I've compared Baker to Jared Goff or Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's kind of the, the ceiling there. We're not, and those guys have, have taken teams to Super Bowls. You know, maybe not every year, but you you're win, they win a lot more games than they lose. But they had to learn to to play that way. And you know, um, Garoppolo had the advantage of sitting on the bench in New England for a couple of years. And then he goes to Kyle Shanahan, who builds an offense that fits him. And the same thing with Goff. Goff was horrible as a rookie. And then, the you know, uh, Sean, Sean, Sean takes over and, and with the Rams. And, again, they built an offense to fit him, much like Stefanski is here. But if you talk to fans in those studies, guy, he's pretty good, but, you know, he's not great. He's not flashy. He's not – he's not – he's not – well, you know, I like making the playoffs. Dan, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I, I certainly like making the playoffs as well. That, that would be a to, – to make the playoffs a few years in a row would be a good thing. As you said, and you're, you're, I love the example you mentioned. That's what I want you to elaborate too. And, and now, now let's, let's go back to Alex Smith slash Mahomes. What do you think happened there? I think that they hit Alex Smith's ceiling. Mm-hmm. And they, they realized that they – probably weren't going to win a Super Bowl with him unless everything went right. And then you, you have Brett Veach just falling in love with Patrick Mahomes. So him and Dorsey kind of work to get Mahomes there. They set up a plan for him to take over. Now, like you said, they probably didn't expect him to be a guy that might end up as the best quarterback ever 20 years from now, but they knew he was something special and, and the guy that kind of raised that ceiling of the team. But what kind of apartment did he move into with what kind of landlord? Pretty nice apartment. <laughs> yes. It wasn't the penthouse, but he's not living in the basement. And his <laughs> landlord was not a slumlord, or his landlord was not a guy who was going to be gone. His landlord had a, had a track record of developing quarterbacks and offenses. And his landlord was a guy. I mean, for example, in Philadelphia, um, oh, boy. I was afraid of the senior moment coming in. Who was the quarterback that Andy Reid had? He was the second uh, quarterback taken. The Browns took Couch. It was McNabb. Yeah. Yeah. So they took him. And there was a lot of questions on whether, you know, this could work or not. But uh, I don't think they won a Super Bowl with him, but they got there and they won a ton of games with him. Andy, again, Andy Reid. Those guys that have been putting together offenses and doing that for a while, they just see things and they could put this guy into a situation and he succeeds, you know, about as maybe not Super Bowl succeeds, but he wins games. 
And that's what I want to be Cleveland. I want Stefanski and his coaching staff to develop so that, you know, even at Baker three or four years ago, like you said, he's Alex Smith. You hit your ceiling with them. Then the next guy that comes in isn't living in the basement. <laughs> and he doesn't have a landlord who's going to get replaced. And you bring in some other guy who doesn't know how to be a landlord. I mean, you're, you're trying, you always talk about building. Well, I'm built. I want something built here. But in the meantime, um, you know, I, it's funny. I wrote a column a couple of weeks ago. People just read the headline, didn't read the story. It's like, you know, is it too early to write off uh, Baker Mayfield? Actually, the answer was no, but they just thought I was writing it off. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I, I ended up asking, did you actually read the story? But that, and again, this is the thing, I don't know how good he's going to be, but I, I'm, you know, reasonably encouraged because I didn't know what this guy was going to do this year. I really didn't. After that, the, after that display last year, and then you saw, you know, how he struggled against uh, even Baltimore early. I'm like, right. oh boy. I mean, it, it really didn't start great this year, honestly, no. even, you know, those early games, you know, the Colts was a game where he really struggled. Yeah, he had Especially a good first second. half, and then he kept throwing the ball, and then it carried over into his next. He had like those seven quarters. Yeah, two against the Colts, four or three against the Steelers, and whatever it was, and then the quarter. Oh yeah, the quarter in Cincinnati where he threw, you know, six total quarters. He threw six or five interceptions, and you go, oh yeah. my goodness, this guy's cooked. And then he he played well against the Bengals, and as you said, it was so hard to judge that 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 mess. That was the windiest game. I've ever been at not the coldest, not the worst conditions, but pure wind for trying to throw the ball. I never remember any game like that. I mean, I know when I walked out of the stadium at night, it was probably like nine o'clock. It was, it was still blowing. I thought mm-hmm. I was going to just get rolled to my car by the wind there. And you um, and try to imagine throwing, throwing a football in that. So, I mean, that's where we are with Baker. Um, what worries you the most about the second half? The defense. Because, you know, I think the offense is going to be fine. They mm-hmm. play a bunch of bad defenses. Chubb's coming back. Hopefully this bye week gets Kareem Hunt a little bit healthier. I am worried about the fact that they don't have a real deep threat. I want to yeah. see how some teams kind of get after them regarding that. And I want to see if that changes the offense and even changes the running game a little. Um, but the, the defense is really what worries me. If they lose games that they shouldn't lose in the second half, it's going to yeah. be because of the defense. And how many games? I mean, a lot of times the defense is maybe making a play at the end of the game to win it, but that's because they've given up 35 points already <laughs> or whatever. So it's um, the, the thing that I, that it was alarming. I mentioned that the scribbles, because it's kind of a line sort of buried in the middle of uh, Stefanski's press conference was, you know, we were pushed off the line. He said it twice. And then this is right after the game. Then he also said, we knew they were going to run it. And they just ran it anyway. Yeah. That really bothered him. And that makes me curious to see, you know, and he mentioned some things Monday about schematic stuff and that, that I think he saw that they've got to do something. It's not just changing personnel. It's like, where do you, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, we got to bring in two great defensive linemen. No, it's more like, what are you doing with the guys you got? Because there's some money on that defensive line. Yeah, that's the one area where you've got an investment. Because if we're being honest, I mean, look, they, they did not make a big investment in the defense. They used a second-round pick on Delpit. 
Yeah. And then they signed a bunch of one-year guys. Yeah, they went cheap on the defense. But the defensive line is where they decided to renegotiate Vernon and keep him. 11 million still. Yeah, they've still got Sheldon Richardson, who's getting a lot of money. Ogan Joby's in a contract year. Right. And then, of course, they gave Garrett $125 million. So, that, I mean, and that's where the investment is. Even uh, Claiborne, they gave him some money for a bunch years, of, I think, too, for Claiborne. Yeah. By the way, was he been on the field for – I mean, you never see him do anything. He was good early. And then he got hurt. Yeah, he, he got he hurt. I mean, he was out there on Sunday. I didn't see him do a whole lot. Though. He had a couple tackles. I looked it up. But he went like three games, like 20 snaps each of the game. He didn't have a tackle. Yeah. But, so, I mean, you know, you're back to relying on – a guy like Port Augustine, who that's your guy, isn't that all? Story. That's another one of your clients around with Kareem, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. It's okay. hey, I want to ask I, you, I'll say this for Port Augustine I noticed him he, in that game. Yeah, see, there you go. So, there you are. I want <laughs> to see more of him than a couple of these other guys. I, I want to throw this at you. You've mentioned both of the P words here you mentioned patience and you mentioned playoffs. Yeah. Um, so I was talking with, uh, actually on our podcast on Tuesday, uh, we had Doug on, Doug Maurice, and we were talking about, you know, how, how much do you need to make the playoffs this year? And Doug and I were sort of separate on this. I feel like, look, I, I hope this team makes the playoffs. I want them to make the playoffs. But if they go nine and seven or 10 and six and miss out because of some bad luck or something, I don't think it sets this franchise back necessarily. You want to make the playoffs. I don't think it's necessarily a make or break year to do it. Do you how think you have set, to make the playoffs? How can you be set back when you were six and ten last year when you have the worst record in the NFL since 1999 and you go nine and seven? That is not a setback. <laughs> That's just again what I was talking about with Baker when there. You have to. Uh, I just I want to see. Here's another P word, progress, not work in progress. I want to see real progress because a lot of times when people say work in progress, that means they don't know what kind of progress is going on. They're just trying to throw that out there so that they don't have to discuss it anymore. But I want to see how Baker's better. I want to see the running game. I want to see what they do defensively in the second half because um, to come back with the same guys playing the same way, giving up the same 30 some points a game, I think it's, well, it, it dropped because of the win. They got a break on that. But it was 31 and a half points a game going in that game, going into the, into the uh, Las Vegas game. Um, so I want to see it some there. I mean, but, I, you know, I've enjoyed this year. Let's get to a real base thing. A part of the reason the NFL's there is entertainment. Right. You know, they always talk about the misery index. There's been some, this is more of kind of the frustration. There's been no real big misery. There's just some frustration. But when I mean, you're that's the NFL. Three, that's, yeah, that's it's the NFL. And you know what? There's, the Titans just not, lost to the Bengals. The Titans are a Super Bowl contender who just lost to the Bengals. To the so Bengals. Every team right. has frustration. And the Bengals should have beaten the Colts. <laughs> and probably and should have beaten the Browns, to be honest. Yeah. And, right. But, and the Colts, are, I mean, they're coming. You know, that again, that would be like if we were doing a Bengal broadcast. I'm like, okay, I got a quarterback I really like. And I, by the way, I like Burrow better than 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 Baker. That's not that's not even open to debate in my mind. But in terms of their team, finally I think they could sit there and say, after the last couple of years, I do think their things are going in the right direction. And there's some tangible reasons to say that. Same thing with the Browns. It's not just it's a feeling or whatever. Like I just again, I'm gonna there it is. 15 touchdowns, 
seven interceptions, 62%. Right. That's a lot better than last year at this time, or even if you project it out over the entire season. And yeah. he did play part of the time on a crack rib, but that's part of the NFL too. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, to me, it's just, you know, and I don't want to double down on being like the I don't care about the playoffs guy because I, have, I, I do. Yeah. It's better to make the playoffs than not. But to me, the difference between going – 10 and six and missing the playoffs are going 10 and six. And, you know, we're sitting in a stadium in Kansas city or Nashville or Baltimore on January 9th or 10th. I don't know that it's that huge of a difference. I think it's progress either way. And I think you still feel really good about where this football team. Yeah, is. It would only be if you really thought this team, first of all, was older and was kind of set up to, to win now. Uh, big time. And this team's not, it's not, it's set up to get better. It's not set up to just win it all now. It's not. And so that's, it's set up to find out as you mentioned before, you know, where is Baker, how much of an investment is he worth and that, but you finding these quarterbacks is so hard. Yeah. And it's the same reason some of these, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick keeps getting jobs. I mean, granted, he got bent for frankly, no reason in Miami other than <laughs> time, to, time to play the kid. But it's why some of these guys just keep playing forever because it's hard to find a guy that just doesn't fall apart in this job. I mean, my right. favorite, by my, my last thing, I got to go there. You know, I was looking back at the draft with Sam Darnold and Baker and uh, uh, Jackson and Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. You know, Josh Rosen was my favorite quarterback in that draft, so it shows what I know. Is he even in the league? He's on, a, he's on the Bucks practice squad. Wow. <laughs> and Sam yeah. Darnold's about ready to join him. He's Trevor I mean, he, Lawrence. He said, yeah, to take his job. He, yeah, right. Exactly. It, it's hard. It's just a hard deal there. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it for this uh, edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Check out Football Insider. Go to cleveland.com slash brown and click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Terry, thanks for the time. You're welcome, man. <laughs>